you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. I'm your host, Chris Voss, uh, the Chris Voss Show. You may have seen me before. We've been here for 13 years. But unless you're new, I'm your host. Uh, at least for, you know, the time being as well, until they fire me or something. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be funny if they fired me at the Chris Voss show? They're like, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to go, man. You're just not working out, man, after 13 years. And, and then, like, I don't know, they get somebody in here named Bob or something. And I am Bob of the Chris Voss show. And you're like, wait, that's not Chris Voss. It's Bob. Who the hell's Bob? I don't know. Anyway, guys, so welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Thanks again for another installment of the Chris Voss show podcast. And uh, and uh, expanding your brain or whatever it was they said in the intro I paid for from Fiverr. Uh, go to YouTube.com forward slash Chris Voss at the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss. Uh, go to our big LinkedIn group over there, 130,000 people or something like that. Join up on that thing. And the LinkedIn newsletter and all the places we are across social media. Uh, once again, we have an amazing author on the show. Uh, she's the author of the new book, Before you knew my name. It's a novel that comes out November first, twenty twenty-two. Oh my gosh, we already got books coming out in November. It's getting to be the end of the year. In fact, I think the Halloween things are out. Uh, Jacqueline Bublitz is on the show with us today. She'll be talking about her amazing new book, telling us about it, and some of the other work that she's done. She is a writer, feminist, arachnophobe who lives between Melbourne, Australia, and her hometown on the west coast of New Zealand's North Island. She wrote her award-winning debut novel, Before You Knew My Name, after spending a summer in New York where she hung around morgues in the dark corners of city parks and the human psyche. We've all seen those dark corners. She (laughs) did it far too often. And uh, welcome to the show, Jacqueline. How are you? Morena, good morning from New Zealand. Um, I am, I'm great, thank you. Um, thank you. Had my coffee. I'm excited to be here. Awesome sauce. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Congratulations on the new book. Give us your dot com so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, I am nice and easy. It's Jack. Well, I don't know about the spelling, but JackWillandBublets.com is my website in progress. Uh, and on socials, I'm actually Right Rock. Uh, as in uh, W-R-I-T-E-R-O-C-K, Right Rock. There you go. And is this your first novel? It is my first novel, my debut. Awesome sauce. Yeah, I'm still getting my head around it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a number off. one international bestseller. So that's, there you go. That's, that's always nice. That's, always, like, that's probably the thing that's hardest to get my head around at the moment, but I'll take it. There you go. There you go. So what motivated you to write this book? We kind of... Uh, kind of heard a little bit about morgues and different things. Uh, Tell us more. Sure. Well, I um, was living, um, I'm a New Zealander, but I uh, lived um, most of my 20s and 30s in Melbourne, uh, Australia. And uh, back in 2014, there had been uh, a murder on my street. Murder, Um, you say? 
Yeah, murder is an um, endless source, unfortunately, of, of inspiration for, for, for many of us authors. Um, and so um, I should say the, 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 the novel deals with the connection that's formed between a young murder victim and the woman who finds her body. You know, the, the jogger, the um, dog walker, the fisherman who you, they usually get one line in the newspaper you know, the, the body was found by a jogger and then we don't hear anything else about them. Um, so back in Melbourne 2014, there'd been a, a horrific murder, although, you know, all mur- murder is horrific. But this had been on my street. Um, in a young woman was walking to work in the early hours of the morning. She worked at a bakery and she was chased into um, my local park. This very busy thoroughfare into the main central business district of Melbourne, chased into the park, murdered, um, and her body was found just a couple of hours later uh, by a jogger running a trek that I um, would, um, well, with best intentions, um, try to run as as often as I could. Um, And on that particular Sunday morning, I didn't go uh, for a run, um, but I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, what if it had been me that had come across young Renee Lau's body. I was used to, um, and I think a a fair few listeners would, um, people watching would identify, I was used to um, seeing myself in as a potential like as a, as a Renee Lau, the young woman who was murdered, you know, I walked that street, you know, all hours of the day and night. It was um, just before Uber was, um, you know, as popular as it's become. Um, and so I was used to thinking about my safety and, you know, that, oh, you know, it's someone walking too close behind me. But I hadn't ever thought about being the person who would... Um, you know, what kind of trauma you'd go through if you were on the other side and you actually found the body. So that's where um, the genesis or the or, that's the origin story of Before You Knew My Name. Uh, but that was 2014, so it took quite a while um, for it to become um, what it is now. Oh, wow. So you've been working on it for quite some time then? Well, yeah. So I wasn't a, um, I wasn't a writer, I mean, um, as in a professional writer. It wasn't anything to do with my day job. I worked in um, online sales and marketing. And uh, so this was very much a um, labor of love, um, something that I would pick up and put down. There wasn't, as I like to say, there wasn't uh, anybody waiting for the story. There wasn't any kind of publisher or agent or deadline. It was just me uh, and this what would it be like um, that wouldn't um, wouldn't leave me alone? And I think also it was a way of um, uh, gr- my sort of like like grieving for this this young woman. I didn't I didn't know her, but there'd been a spate of um, similar murders in Melbourne after a, quite a, a relatively, um, I guess, peaceful period. There'd been a few of those types of murders, and um, that was my way of working through. I say grief, but also anger and frustration about you know the prevalence of that kind of crime. Hi, folks. Here's Foz here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com 
Now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a horror to it and there's a life mm-hmm. that ends and, and, uh, loved ones that are affected. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a horrible way to, uh, to pass away. Um, so it's not just a who done it. Uh, this is kind of interesting from the byline. It asks, who was she and what did she leave behind? Tell us more about what that mean is. Sure. And so I, I think of myself as an accidental crime writer, a very lucky accidental crime writer, in that when I um, started what became Before You Knew My Name, it was it was very much about exploring this relationship between the victim um, and the person who found her body. And uh, the way I decided to um, tell that story was to have it told by Alice, who is our dead girl, not a spoiler. We know from the first page that, that she's dead. Um, and so she actually narrates um, uh, from beyond uh, the grave. Oh, wow. uh, we go backwards and forwards. So um, we start knowing, you know, that something terrible has happened to her. Uh, and then we, we go backwards, um, we go forwards in it. So it's a, it's a, book about that really centers the victim and not just um, not just Alice but then the, the people that you know around her that are impacted and it very deliberately decenters or takes away what I see as sort of some of the power of the perpetrator at the same time there is a mystery to solve there there are lots of red herrings in there about who done it um, so it's not that's why we say it's not just a who done it it's a it's a who was she um, as much as anything else that's really amazing. I mean, I mean, that's a that's a great way to take it from that perspective. And I imagine before you knew my name is you know, the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, does it interplay from her being uh, most of the narrative, or does it flip between the 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 her and uh, the person who found her body? Yeah, so Ruby Jones is uh, the woman from Australia um, who found uh, the body, and she's thirty six. She's twice the age of Alice, who's eighteen um, when she dies. Um, and they're really equal and opposites in a lot of ways. The entire story is narrated uh, by Alice. However, she picks up threads of Ruby's story. Um, so there's a little bit of artistic license there in that she can sort of see backwards and forwards and um, has a, a different perspective on, on life and death from from wherever she's um, telling her story from after her after her murder. Uh, so we learn um, as much about Ruby, this woman who... Um, who comes to, they both come to New York City on the same day. They're both running away from something. Um, and then they, um, they find each other. Hmm. They sound very kind of similar. They're both, they're both on a running away journey and trying to find each other. And then they, they, they've, I imagine maybe sometimes finding oneself is finding through other people, I suppose. Hmm. I don't know. I think, I think that's, that's pretty much what we, um, are sort of striving to achieve when we create these characters and we throw them into mm-hmm. these like terrible situations <laughs> and and also want to say sorry to them. I wanted to say sorry to both of those um both of my characters um mm-hmm. many many times throughout um the, the process of writing the book. Now I think is it set in the uh, uh, I'm quoting here dark underbelly of New York City. <laughs> Well, I love New York and I see it mostly as bright and shiny. Um, and it was a beautiful summer of 2015 and I came, or spring and summer. I managed to spend roughly six months um, in New York. Um, I say researching, but I was mostly like trying to get tickets to Hamilton and uh, following Hillary Clinton around to like what she was launching her campaign. So, um, but yes, it's set in New York. It does deal with, um, you know, obviously some some of the less pleasant um, aspects of life in a big city, the, an- the anonymity, um, which it initially works in these women's 
favor because they they are running away. Uh, but then what happens when you sort of sort of get chewed up and sped out and there's you know nobody looking for you? Mm. Um, but no, I don't find New York. Um, like dark and I, I didn't you know i didn't spend a lot of time in the so-called underbelly <laughs> okay there you go uh so uh, did you go you went into morgues evidently well i hung around so the key there with my bio is hanging around or lurking I don't, you know is a word that we would use over here at least because i didn't have any credentials so you know i couldn't i <laughs> show up and say, oh excuse me like i've got this idea for the story um, i was Wondering what it would be like if I could just come to. So I, I had met um, a very helpful um, uh, law enforcement guy. I'd met him, and he told me, "I'll go down to like First Ave. Like you'll be fine." Like I'm like, I don't really think he thought you know too much about that. So I just went and so we went, you know, the whole Bellevue kind of like very evocative down there. And then I went to this the very austere um sort of lobby of the uh, what is it, the office of the chief medical examiner. And I just stood in the lobby for as long as I could without sort of raising suspicion, um, which turns out isn't that long because I think I did get asked to move along. But I just watched people coming and going and um you know took in kind of the, um, I can see it now. And um, so I haven't been able to get back um, because of, you know, because of COVID um, mm-hmm. to, so I couldn't even come back and like fact check uh, that I'd had these things. Right. But it, it works well because my character, Ruby, who finds the body, she doesn't have any credentials. She doesn't have any, the part of the point of her story is you, you play this you know integral role in um, you discover the body. You kind of, you begin this crime story, but then you're, you're completely removed from it. You um, don't have any kind of, um, you're no longer a witness, you know, after you've described, you know, what you found and saw. And so for Ruby, there's a scene in the book that's very meta and or, um, very method, I suppose, where she goes and stands in the in the lobby of the morgue and, you know, wants to wants to go down but doesn't have any permission either. So Wow. There you go. There you go. Morgues. I mean, that's the one place I try and stay the hell out of. Well, I wonder now Personally. if... If they let, if they were to, I wonder. You know, I'm, I'm working on my second book and, and another idea f- for a third. And I wonder now if I would, someone would be able to arrange it for me. You know, agent, mm, publisher, somebody talk. And then, but would I want to? Like, mm. is it has it been a lovely excuse that I've had no permission? <laughs> that I've had no permission because I'm I'm not actually sure how I'd um how I'd cope with it. I did spend a lot of time talking with people who who work in that environment though, so it's it's not completely um you know in my head. That's awesome. I mean, uh, it's it's uh, I, you know it's the research you have to do for the book, to, so you understand you know what uh, Jane Doe or a John Doe goes yeah. through when they're murdered, and uh, you know it's uh, it's crazy. Um, what what are some of the other things that people might uh, you can tease out on the book? Because of course, with novels, we can't give away the ending or the no. No, and there's such a big spoiler in terms of, you know, letting oh. people know straight well straight up front that we know that Alice Lee is um that she's dead and that she's been murdered. Um and so yeah, I do try to keep the most of the rest of the book um close to my close to my heart, although I love speaking to people after they've read it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just to talk about um what can I say? So there's a group. So Ruby's quite traumatized uh, by finding the body. And she ends up stumbling across a group of people, um, small group in New York called the Death Club. They know it's a bit of a silly name, but it's stuck, um, as it did with the author. And Death Club is made up of, of uh, a group of people who have all had some kind of proximity to death. Like one woman works in a morgue, another lost her daughter um, in an accident, and another himself had a... Um, 
uh, and it's a near-death experience. And they are this, uh, an unlikely little group who meet at different bar, cocktail bars around um, around New York City and or around Manhattan mostly, and uh, they talk about death. Uh, they it, it, like really philosophical. They, they, the thing that sort of changed their lives um, is death. And so Death Club Ruby is invited to join Death Club. And so we have a lot of um, just not your average crime book. I suppose it's quite a lot of, um, although what is an average crime book these days? It's such a wonderfully broad um, medium. But they meet, they chat about death each each um, meeting. They, yeah. Get, wow. get drunk, get drunk, and talk about death. So it's like Fight Club, where you kill somebody <laughs> and no one's no, allowed well, to talk about it. That, that's book two. <laughs> that, that's book two. They, uh, you know, that's book two. That would be a it. great title for a book if I'm not blowing your title already. Death Club. <laughs> death Club. Yeah. Well, like... they were a lot of fun, and in and I, I lost. <laughs> I they were a lot of fun. They were. They were. And then <laughs> I lost. I lost my. This is. I'm laughing now because. Um, but I lost my dad while I was um, putting the, like the finishing touches on the edit that would go and eventually um, find me an agent and publisher. And um, my beautiful dad, Johnny B. And Death Club. I went back and, and turned some of those conversations into these really. What for me at least feels like the conversations that I wish that I was able to have mm-hmm. after he passed away. And so they're not. It's not, it, I think, hopefully poignant rather than like maudlin or, um, you know, too serious. It's actually just kind of like um, what um, what would I want to sort of sit down and talk about that didn't make other people who weren't going through that uncomfortable. And, and there we have Death Club. And then they, you know, as often happens when, in a book, they end up serving quite the purpose in terms of the plot as, as well. Wow. There you yeah. go. It's interesting how you know we look, we can learn so many great stories from life and lessons and and uh, spin them into other things and you know sometimes the negative things uh, turn out to be positive in some in some way or we can we can put them as yeah. positive as it were. Uh, is there you we mentioned arachnophobia in your uh, bio? Is there any arachnophobia? Uh, instances no. in your book? No, I would. You know, you you're asked to write a bio. <laughs> it was very. You, it's very. I am. It's horrible, and it, it ruins. Like it ruins vacations. I can't go camping. It, living in Australia, so if anybody, you know, I'm I'm sure that people are well aware of the size of the spiders in Australia. So yeah, oh, it's been that's right. a good a good twenty some years in um in a country where the spiders are, you know, like as big as my head. Well, not really. That's an exaggeration. Maybe as big as my head. Not really. Um, I've seen those spiders. They're like small animals. Some are like a small horse. Not I've even vaguely them. terrifying. They're terrifying. And they're mostly harmless. And I don't, I, but yeah, so when, when you're um, in the position <laughs> I was in around writing a bio and I'm like, well, uh, what do I say? Like, I just, I wrote, you know, and I, you know, I don't mean to play down the fact that I wrote a book, but I'm like, I wrote this book. What do I know to be true about myself? I said, well, I only really sort of know a couple of things. And um, arachnophobe is like right up there in terms of what you need to know about me if you're going to spend time with me. So <laughs> I can't blame you. I tease a lot of my friends in Australia about the, the, the like everything there seems to be everything. dangerous and, everything and wants poisonous to and kill you. way too large for its size. <laughs> I mean, even the Bunch- claws, I think, have 
chlamydia. So, I mean, they're, they're not even cute. And lovely <laughs> they're, either, they're like either wasted on their gum leaves or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that they get stoned they and fall the trees and stuff. <laughs> Fortunately, they're very cute. So they get away with all yeah. sorts of bad behavior. <laughs> yep. Don't get me started on the Vegemite in Australia either. I tease my Australian friends a lot about that. So. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind Vegemite, but I'm always... Yeah. Gives me a laugh when people take like a Americans in particular like take like a big scoop. I'm like, oh no, no, okay. You just... <laughs> That's what <laughs> I did when they sent me some. I took a big old slab, yeah. put on some bread, and, yeah. and then uh, yeah, that was uh, that was bad. But uh, so this has been wonderful. Uh, anything you uh, base the, the characters on uh, in your book uh, from your life or maybe movie stars? Some people think of a movie star when they make a book. No, I, the character of Alice, um, you know, so she's, she came to me. It's it's one of those moments, um, and it's never happened again, and it probably never will. And I'm very sad about that. But she came to me pretty much fully formed one afternoon. I was in, I was on the Upper West Side um, in in New York City in this little studio. Um, thinking like, who are you? And honestly, it was like she came and sat down next to me. And there's a um, I don't talk about this often, but there's a scene in the movie Fame, you know, the um, old school, like 1982, with Irene Cara, and she's this, like, wonderfully uh, confident um, young woman who's, who's um, you know, wanting to be a star, and then she gets put into uh, a situation with a photographer who's uh, – uh, taking some pictures of her and it's not, um, it's not above board. And I'd seen that when I was really little and it really traumatized me because it was, um, you know, I understood, um, so for anyone who hasn't, I'm just assuming, because I just watched it again the other day on an airplane, but anyone who oh. hasn't seen fame, she goes to get some headshots because she, she wants to be a star and the photographer is actually a pornographer and he like convinces mm. her to like, um, you don't see much, which, is, which I'm grateful for, but convinces her to sort of take her top off. And there was this, that scene always really stru- like struck me around what it means to be a victim because you can be absolutely um, the most confident, um, aware, savvy person and still find yourself in a situation especially when you're that young um, where you're being exploited and so Alice came to me very much thanks to Irene Cara uh, and that scene in fame um, and then um, then she just sort of took off and told me what she um, what she wanted to say those are the best characters the Mm. from the writers that we interview I mean this comes to you fully developed and off you go um yeah i I never saw the movie fame but now i have that song running through yeah i know i'm just doing sort of jazz hands it's really they had a um and on i was on a a flight recently and they had a whole new york um like playlist and so i chose fame and i was like oh yeah that was a really dark movie for me to be watching at five years old really dark but it did give me my love of new york city along with annie which is slightly lighter and then uh, it did give me Alice Lee so um thank you there you go there you go now I'm that song's gonna be stuck in my head all day long (laughs) my gift my gift to you uh it's it's one of those songs that just uh will just catch did you ever get to see Hamilton when you're in New York I did. I did. I did. I did. I got to see Hamilton and I didn't understand at all what was going on. And I I left um, and went to Saudi's, the uh, sort of famous sort of 
uh, watering hole, as we would say, here um, bar afterwards, and I cried. It's like I didn't understand, and I know I saw something brilliant, but I, I saw the original cast. Yeah, it's just 2015, um, and so then I listened to the um, soundtrack, and then you know fully understood, and will forever regret that I didn't do that first. <laughs> so yeah. I had more of an idea. I mean, I know some American history, but obviously it's a, a very different. Um, uh, taken me, but it was brilliant. I I um, loved it, but I had really, you know, genuinely uh, no idea for a while that what was going on. <laughs> oh, I hate yeah. to, some people get really angry when I admit that. It's like you saw the original cast, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> yeah, I did. Sorry. There you go. There you go. Well, I mean, it's, sometimes you you get it later. I mean, there's a lot of movies I have to watch like three or four times. I think The Godfather I've watched like thirty freaking times, and I. Every yeah, now and then, like, I just like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there exactly. you go. There you go. Well, uh, congratulations on the new book. Uh, give us your dot com one more time so people can uh, find out more about you on the interwebs. Yeah, it's JacquelineBublets dot com. There you go. There, yeah. And thank you very much, Jacqueline, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. And keep having fun out there in New Zealand, Australia, and stay away from those big spiders, of course. <laughs> I will. Thank you. And everyone, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. Remember, stay out of those alleyway bookstores. Uh, you might need a tetanus shot or you might get mugged if you go into there. Uh, so go to the fine bookstores and order up Before You Knew My Name, a novel coming out November 1st, 2022. So there's time to order up for your book club. Uh, go to goodreads.com for Chess Chris Voss. Uh, go to youtube.com for Chess Chris Voss. All those places we are on the, on the, uh, those inner tubes in the sky that the kids are playing on social media. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe and we'll see you guys next time.